What a weekend. We had haymakers, somewhat upsets, new kings of the divisions, crazy outfits, and more highlights than you could shake a stick at. But enough about Wilder vs. Fury. Welcome to And the Kick is Good. Tucker, it would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! It's crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Time has expired. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. Welcome to episode 57 of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm joined by Brad. And you may think... Uh, some sort of audio problematic column, but no, this is just his voice for this week. I will be doing my version of uh, Phoebe's uh, sexy cat um, uh, at the end of this episode. I can't wait, <laughs> Brad. Follow that. Wait, did I say can. sexy cat? Smelly cat? You did. You did say sexy cat, but I was going to leave it. <laughs> Just be glad that Tom and Colm showed up because this was planned to be a 45-minute one-man show. And, uh, yeah, that's not happening. Well, so let's not count it out just yet, right? Um, <laughs> to fill listeners in, uh, my child has hand, foot and mouth, which has been a brutal 48 hours. Um, and, the, yeah, I might have to take off swiftly. And I think if I go, Colm's just going to chuck it in because he is also battling through... Not hand, foot, and mouth, but something I'm sure equally debilitating. Uh, a very heavy cold that's just made me feel miserable. And and Miss Think Sexy is smelly, which apparently is. Hey, I can't, I can't, I can't smell anything right now. So let's get in to the news. Read all about it. Latest football card. Morning paper. Morning star. Paper mister. Before we get into the latest football scores, uh, we can't pass up an opportunity to kick an old rich white guy. Brad, tell us about Gruden. Yeah, so in the NFL's investigation into the Washington football team and the workplace misconduct that was, you know, that happened all under Dan Snyder uh, and former GM uh, Bruce Allen. Turns out there were some emails uh, in there. Uh, were there between Alan and close friend John Gruden uh, and John's brother, who's former coach of the um, Russia Football Team, Jay. This, these stem from John Gruden's time as a commentator and before he re-entered the NFL as a head coach. And they were damning, to say the least. You know, there were some things that leaked out earlier that he had criticised Roger Goodell and had used a kind of racially... uh, a a remark that has a lot of racial overtones. Um, And then it just turns out that there was a lot more. And it stemmed from... There was racist stuff, there was homophobic stuff, there was misogynistic stuff all in there all mixed around and all this just coming off the back of the say the Washington football team investigation has claimed it almost its first victim in terms of you know comeuppance and it's John Gruden of the Raiders his position became quickly untenable and uh, not even halfway through Monday night football he had informed Mark Davis that he was stepping down and just watching back the 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 Ravens Colts game there was just a really weird moment where the commentators had to acknowledge that it happened but had no idea you know what to do especially as someone that was on Monday Night Football like three years ago exactly and they're like they clearly didn't have the full breadth of information they said you know these are troubling allegations etc I don't think they knew how real they were I think the the overall thing that step that's come out of it right now is yeah this shit can't stand we'll get you know we're going to stamp it out and get rid of it which is good but i think the other potential issue and the thing that i think people are worried about is how come john gruden is the first person to you know get exposed from this whole situation with the with the washington football team with you know with dan snyder and everyone and everything that's happened there how is it that it's a the raiders head coach that's the first one that's really been put out to blast that, or at least that we're hearing about as well yeah so, I, I wonder if it's because he is like the, the most high profile one that's still with the team if that makes sense 
Yeah, true, because obviously Alan's gone and Jay was sacked two years ago and Snyder's had to step aside to be replaced by his wife. But, you know, that feels like a bit of a sham sort of solution to it. And, uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's obviously, like, terrible everything he said and deservedly gets fired for it. Well, not even fired, he's technically quit. Um and so, you know, there's no place for it in, in the modern day NFL, which is good. But at the same time, there's so much stuff that's happened with the, the football team. And it's like, when are we going to start seeing justice on that front as well? Yeah, that starts getting handed out. Yeah, like it, this, this, is, this has happened so long ago. And yet, it, it feels like this is just the tip of the iceberg, doesn't it? And yet, it's, it's as you say, like when when's the Washington side of the justice going to be kind of dished out? But well, at least it, we forget there was a um, uh, FBI raid on the uh, football team's uh, training room this week, wasn't there? But that was that was yes. under that was one of their staff members, wasn't it? It wasn't to do with Washington themselves. Yeah, it's due to the potential reselling of uh, drugs and that's happening. But again, uh, I think overall to. You know, to Connor's point, the wider point, shit that's happening under, and probably is happening you know, under Dan Snyder's football team. Sure. Like, and and yeah, this is all happening. And what I've kind of appreciated, but also not liked as much, is some of just the sentiment that's coming off from from fellow journalists of being like, hey, you know, this is what happens when you know, this is you know, there's a it's a difference between the person who writes the check and the person who cashes the check, and it's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire it's like no you shouldn't get protection from all this stuff anyway and yet we're already seem to be moving in the direction of oh it's fine it's fine you know this just happens billionaires are above any sort of repercussions for their actions and it feels you know bullshit and i know i said i wanted to call out specifically and i'm not sure whether adam Schefter is tipping his hat to as to why it was you know, all this Gruden stuff started leaking out as quickly as it did. But he said that he summed it up as John Gruden had a clean sweep of offending NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, women, gays, minorities, all sorts of people. And I'm not sure at which point Roger Goodell became a protected class, but that's, uh, you know, that just feels like such bullshit. It's like, it's when cool, he so went we from a millionaire into a billionaire, as you were saying earlier. <laughs> that's when he became a protected yeah. class. It's, it's, it, it's, it's bullshit. Like, you know, it's not bullshit. It was bullshit that nothing's happening to the football team, or at least you know nothing seems to be progressing on that front. And it's it's justice, you know, for for those who've had to you know be subject to this. And I don't know what comes next for John Gruden. I imagine in a world like America and American broadcasting, he'll have some talk show in or you know or some football talk show on a radio station in about three years time when he hopes everything's passed one american news will probably hire him pretty quick i just found it yeah quite ironic that gruden was attempting to bring 80s football into 2020 and then essentially got fired for having views that were last held in an acceptable manner in the 80s in 2020 yeah if you want someone who's only problematic aspect is that he's trying to bring 80s football back to modern day football this is Jason Garrett uh, Jason yeah. Garrett is available <laughs> we should probably note uh, John Gruden was on what was at the time when he signed it the richest contract uh, for a head coach in football it was a 10 year 100 million dollar contract he saw 4 years of that and I assume by resigning he's forfeited the rest of that uh, guaranteed money I think we don't know those terms. I think the general thing that I've seen is that because he's stepping down, there'll be some form of compensatory agreement rather than Mark Davis having to pay out. And I think it's the best situation for Mark Davis because he's not the most cash rich owner, I believe. You know, he's one of the more people whose income is based on the league yeah. and needs the like, to sustain it. So apparently Gruden, you know, had a, had a long meeting with Mark Davis and, and you can see how it went, can't you? Where Mark Davis goes, look, thank you for everything that you did. We had visions of you staying here for a decade or longer. However, I'm sure you understand that the way the world is right now, we have, you know, you cannot remain a head coach of this football team. Yeah, Which... there was a press conference on Sunday after the game. Uh, Yannick Ngokwe was asked uh, how the black players feel about John Gruden being the head coach in his comments. 
and he said no comment, which I think was at the point where the locker room had clearly gotten away from him. Yeah, and to that said, some former players have said, you know, oh, with that specific term that Gruden had used, which was rubber-lipped, he did use it a lot in reference to liars, but the overall context and then the rest of it came, I think it, that, I think that was the point of like, oh, will this be enough to sink John Gruden? Turns out, no. Cool, let's have a barrage of stuff come out in the next few hours. It literally felt like, you know, every refresh of the Twitter news feed was just cool, here's a new racist email. Here's a new sexist thing he said. Here's a, you know, here's a new misogynist comment. It's just like, Jesus Christ, like so much of it spewed out in an instant that it, it, it all felt very sudden. Shall we move on to the actual game that they played on, on Sunday? <laughs> sure. Yes, we shall. Um, so the Raiders played the Bears. Um, <laughs> I know that the Bears won, but honestly, I kind of stopped looking at the score because this this was like the old Bears versus the old Raiders in, in the way that last year we just didn't really want to watch either of these two teams. Um, I'm desperately trying to scroll up because <laughs> the Bears won 20 to 9. Um, and, and a few notes that I took was that Kenyon Drake is going to be this year's or next year's Mike Davis. Someone is either going to trade for him or, or the Raiders are going to try and make him like a focal point of the offense and he's just not going to do it because he bursts when he touches the ball. But like an entire game's worth just isn't there for him. Um, th- it's interesting that you say he's going to be next year's Mike Davis when I thought he was the prototype for Mike Davis <laughs> last year. Yeah. They're yeah. in the Cardinals. Um, the the third and rope throw thing is already boring and already not a thing, which is like, oh, it's third down, it's third and rope throw, and it's like confirmation bias wrapped up in the fact that this offense has Henry Ruggs or Renfro on the check down because Waller was all over the place this game. Um, but but I guess let's move on to the kind of more positive note um, from this game, and that's Justin Fields. He is the archetypical ultimate game is too fast for him quarterback at the moment. He When he hits a check down, he looks like he's being rushed into it. He, is, he has those moments where he moves out the pocket or when the, the O-line holds up and he can deliver the ball downfield. Like He does have these kind of isolated, very high-quality plays, but they are buried in a sea of just meh quarterback play, which is absolutely fine because he's now, what, his second? That was his second start? Or maybe his third? Like... I'm not getting on the guy calling him a bust. It's just, I think people after guys like Herbert and, and a few other rookies have come in recently and looked really good immediately. People just need to temper their expectations. Um, <laughs> what I did like about watching the Bears this game is that the offense is like someone explained a running quarterback offense to an alien. In the, <laughs> It's like, okay, and then we roll them out. Okay, and, then, and okay, so we'll roll fields out. And then everyone's running like hooks. Or like a shallow cross, and it's like no, no. Generally, what you want is you want like a deeper route that, that curls to his side of the field, and you might want to roll like an offensive lineman out with him, so he's got a big. No, okay, you're just gonna okay, and he's sacked. All right, cool. <laughs> um, there was a Brian Edwards drop on a forty-yard ball from Carr on the first drive of the second half on fourth down, um, and at that point it was fourteen to three to the Bears. If he makes that catch, he probably scores a touchdown. And then it's 14-10 and it's such a different game. And that one just felt like th- that was the point where you could just, again, freeze it in time and you go, okay, cool. The, Ra- the Raiders aren't coming back from here, from everything that I saw. Um, Jakeem Grant, who the Raiders recently Tom. picked up. Yeah. Tom, just to be pedantic on that point, why does it matter if he scores that touchdown where to make it 14-10? Why is it not important if he scores it when it's serious? <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, sorry, reference a, a conversation I cut last week. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, Jakeem Grant, who they acquired in a trade uh, from the Dolphins, fielded a punt four yards deep in his end zone. <laughs> like that's that's what this team is doing right now. He returned it to the seventeen for what it's worth. Um, there was a run of plays. There was a run of three offensive plays for the Raiders, where they ran a QB sneak in which Carr got injured. It then set them up on fourth down. Um, Peterman scrambled and was tackled really hard, got the first down. And then on the next play, the QB snuck again with Peterman. <laughs> After that, Derek Carr then came back in. It was like, what is going on? <laughs> Who is calling these plays? Like, it was 
absolutely balmy. Um, but all of this said, like, I just want to leave it on the note that with seven minutes left, the Bears are up by five points. It's third and 12, and Justin Fields makes a great throw to the middle of the field between two defenders. They end up scoring a field goal off of that drive. Um, but that's, again, those are those isolated plays from Fields that are just extremely high quality and like show that he can be something if he's not surrounded by Matt Nagy and fuck all else. The, run, yeah, the running game as well. Work. Did, did you see any of the, oh, yeah. the running game in this one? Like it was, it, it it made me have second guesses about kind of whether Dave Montgomery is literally just another guy because they ran the ball pretty much at will today or Sunday. Yeah, today. <laughs> it was they rushed it thirty four times between the running backs um, for a hundred and thirty nine yards total and one touchdown. It was just. They are a run-first team. Yeah, they, they didn't break any big ones, um, but they were just yeah. consistent. They were just picking up five, six, seven, pretty much at will. Yeah, so, like, yeah, they, they, they're a run-first, and then they, they're, they're going to do that the rest of the way uh, at this point, unless something forces their hand to bring Andy Dalton back in. I think <laughs> well, he, he, he came in this game. Fi- <laughs> he did because it feels yeah and through an eight yard pass I think there is a point where you will see some sort of Tua Fitzpatrick level aspect to this where the game's going to get to a point where it's like cool Fields is not giving us the best chance to win let's put Dalton in because the Bears are still a wild card team and they need to you know reach the you know reach the playoffs again really yeah. to sustain the, the, those jobs so I think you're going to see more of that in out in out sort of situation Shall we move on to uh, another head coach that maybe should have been fired and somehow is not the first one gone? In Urban <laughs> Myers Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, you'll be extremely pleased after that word vomit from the Bears-Raiders game that I have almost fuck all on this game. Um, this was one of the ones <laughs> I chose to put on at 6 o'clock and at half time I decided I didn't want to watch it anymore. Um, the, the Titans... I, I don't want to say that they like rolled out of this one huge winners they won 37-19 this game was kind of closer than it should have been James Robinson had 149 yards and a touchdown there were moments of positives for both sides but the big takeaway is that Lawrence routinely and continues to find out that he's not the best athlete on the field anymore the amount of times he sees a rusher coming free and thinks that he could like roll out of it and avoid the sack or beat a guy at the line and gain an extra four or five yards and it just isn't happening because all of the, the tropes that you hear when players come out of the draft about NFL players being bigger and stronger and faster, like all of those things are applying to, to Lawrence right now. And it's it's not painful to watch, but until he learns that he's going to keep putting the Jags in minus situations that he is only sometimes going to be able to throw out of. Um, the other one is that PFF prior to this week had Ryan Tannehill in their top five quarterbacks for the season. This, for me, was the first time that he has looked like Ryan Tannehill of the last couple of years with Arthur Smith and the play-action game and things like that. They were still down Julio Jones. AJ Brown was on a pitch count. But the second half was Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry like going for it. However, there were a lot of chances for the Jags if they were a better team to get into and stay in this game. Um, I don't know if you guys caught any of this one that you want to talk about anything other than Derrick Henry. but um... Well, there were some questionable um, personnel choices uh, with a 4 from one uh, at the goal line. Uh, the Jags had Carlos Hyde out there uh, trying to run it in when, obviously, undrafted sophomore running back James Robinson was on the sidelines. I'm uh, perfectly happy to go in. Um, asked about it after the game, Urban Meyer says he doesn't pay that much attention to uh, personnel uh, <laughs> in the game, which is a, you know, is an interesting comment from the the head coach I, of an organization. I think now if, if he was in if, the club, that's when he cares about personnel. If you were to um, question a lot of head coaches, actually, I think you would find a surprisingly large number perhaps not giving that exact answer because he has an absolute middle finger to the world attitude going on right now. Um, but, but I think you would find a lot of people say, well, actually, um, it's up to the coordinator or, or they, they will have... Mo- I think most people would probably own it and say it's, 
in, in the same in the sense of it's a team decision, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, so, they um, wouldn't hang someone else out to drive and say, oh, no, I'm not in charge of that. that yes. <laughs> the head, head coach of a team. I agree with that, but I think the overarching kind of feeling of it is that actually I think yes. a lot of head coaches aren't in charge of personal decisions play to play. But I think we're we're not arguing, but we're disagreeing about a different point. So, yes, yeah, I think, I think yeah, that's are. fine. Uh, so t- I've got two more questions for you there, Tom. First one is the Jags now travel to London to play the Dolphins on Sunday. Uh, one, do you think Urban Myers flies back with the Jags from London and directly stays for another week? And this one's more of a comment, um, which is, um, I had money on Steve Bruce to be the first Premier League manager fired this year. And you can imagine I was annoyed two weeks ago when Watford fired their manager. And now, obviously, it looks like Steve Bruce is probably not going to last till Friday. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling the same way about John Gruden and Urban Myers. I would have put all the money in the world a couple of weeks ago on Urban Myers not lasting, and somehow another coach has been fired for him. That's just my comment on the situation. <laughs> uh, so, so, so in response, I don't know. It depends if Urban Meyer has a, a, a pub that we don't know about in London somewhere. I think Urban Meyer's just going <coughs> to enjoy... Urban Meyer might stick around and watch Spurs next week because I don't think he's getting on that team plane. <laughs> I, I watched the Dolphins this week, mate, and just you wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, they're not great, but, like, unless they actually want to use undrafted sophomore running back James Robinson and to lead this offense like they should be doing, then they're not going anywhere. You've, you mentioned he had 114, uh, 49 yards. He did that on just 18 carries, which, again, begs my question of why the hell did this team draft Travis Etienne when the need was not there. Once again, like, you have so many needs. Urban Myers, I think, has come out and said that wasn't his decision. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't defend Trent Bulk either. Like, they should both be gone at this point. Like, hey, look, you, you make it's... comments like that, the band Smash Mouth will come after you. They are <laughs> so freakishly in the tank for Trent Bulky that it's just the most bonkers thing in the world. <laughs> Oh man, that is yeah, that is insane. Shall we move on to to more heartbreak? Uh, Giants, Cowboys. Um, last week I said that I was being dragged back in. Well, just when I think I'm back in, I'm dragged back out, beaten outside, thrown off a bridge, hit by a boat, bitten by sharks. Ultimately, <laughs> wash upon the shore, and then begin the seven day walk back to the same spot to do it all again next week. The Giants were ravaged by injuries already going into it. We lost, and then they lost Saquon Barkley to an ankle injury in the first quarter. Daniel Jones to a concussion in the late in the second uh, on a naked bootleg. Thanks, Jason Garrett. Uh, also, shout out to Cowboys defender Jabril Cox for gloating about giving Jones said concussion on Instagram. Wanker. Kenny Galladay <laughs> suffered a knee extension and didn't return. And then Kadarius Tony, who had a star-making game with ten catches for 189 yards eventually got ejected for uh, punching a Dallas defender, but was also injured in the game as well, and his status is unknown week to week going forward. This finished 44-20, but it was in garbage time after the Cowboys scored a touchdown on their first drive of the second half. The Dallas offense looked damn near impossible to stop and will probably destroy the Patriots next week, or knowing my luck, the Patriots will destroy them. You know, football's a weird place. The Giants head to week six with an offense that's primed to be playing week four of preseason. They only have to play the Rams. So Aaron Donald may leave. I don't know what's going to happen, but we've got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey up against Mike Glennon, Devontae Booker, Colin Johnson, and John Ross. That's the current listed starting wide receiver, quarterback, and running back. You can always tell when you've had a day off between Sunday and recording (laughs) because it's just always a bit more... A bit more kind of linguist heavy and and uh, yeah, that was enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a lot to get through there. Uh, Cowboys, they look great, and uh, Colin put this one in the have they been fired yet? But this should really be kicking off the MVP race because I again tell you now that Dak Prescott is playing at an MVP level, and I will hear nothing else to that point. <laughs> Um, I, I would ask about like the Dallas defensive line and, and Micah Parsons and, and you know just a few of the kind of because they're on a serious upswing from where they were this time last year but it doesn't feel like the type of game where you can make any kind of serious evaluation from it No, they've got a few weeks to go until they have their first big kind of statement games as, as you know you would defer to them but they are defer to, refer to them sorry and I think I think the first one is 
Uh, well, they got the, I say a couple weeks. It's about a month until they play the Chiefs. Six weeks until they play the Chiefs. Their next run of games are the Patriots. The Vikings could trip them up. Uh, the Broncos and the Falcons. So you'd expect them to be going into the Chiefs game around eight and two at worst, really. Um, which Sorry, takes seven, us seven. on to a game that I am extremely happy that I picked for all the wrong reasons. Um, the Cardinals <laughs> beat the Niners 17-10 to 10, and I literally picked this game so I could watch Trey Lance. Um, and I ended up glad that I watched it because I get to see, or I got to see with my own two eyes prior to recording this, just how unready Trey Lance is to, to be a starting NFL quarterback. Not that he didn't play well in spots. Not that, boy, the penalties and some drops didn't help him. Um, <laughs> but he... I mean, his first drive... Um, I believe he pick. was... Yeah, ended in a pick. Which, like... It looked like he was trying to be a quarterback too much. He has 15 yards of grass in front of him. And probably Ross Dwelly. But it looked like a tight end in the flat uh, next to him. Oh, he, yeah, might have been Juszczyk, I think. Who, who he could have run behind, like, he could have, you know, slowed up and used him as a bit of a blocker. But instead, he tried to fit it into a guy who was open, but it would be a very difficult throw on the move for your first NFL. So, you know, it, it felt like he was trying to do too much. And whilst that didn't kind of set the scene for, for Lance's day, it kind of felt like Shanahan went, oh, shit, and dialed back a lot of the play calls off of that. They ran him a ton. I mean, he had 16 carries, which is what you were going to get from Trey Lance. Well, perhaps not 16 carries, but you were going to get a lot of rushing from him. But none of it really felt super Shanahan designed. It was a lot of kind of like naked QB draws. They did a few bits here and there where they pulled guards and they pulled tackles, but it wasn't like I put in my notes that Cliff Kingsbury out Shanahan Shanahan. Um, in that they managed to get Rondell Moore in space for a touchdown. Um, they gave Rondell Moore three carries. Like Kyler looked fine. I thought the Niners' defense did a really good job of pressuring him. Some of the catches by the the Cardinals' uh, receivers, and I think that kind of made the difference in this game, was that some of the catches from the um, Cardinals were outstanding and continued drives when likelihood is the Niners would have made those plays and they would have been called back on a penalty or they would have been dropped or Lance would have completely thrown it into the mud um Colin this is your team you know this is probably your quarterback of the future I realize I've kind of just shat on them for about five minutes straight (laughs) but I did try and do it in the least biased and joyful way possible sure he didn't come out with the old my 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 Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was pretty much the game I thought Trey Lance would probably have. There were I think my first message in the chat was that when he picked up a first down with his legs, I went, I love this man. And then immediately <laughs> after threw a pick, I went, I hate this man. Um, yeah. It's what we saw from him in preseason. In that, I mean, the spottier moments lasted longer in preseason. I think it would be five, six, seven passes in a row without a completion. Here, Shanahan was kind of countering that, I think, with more runs to pick up, you know, uh, add yards. He obviously had too many rushes in there, and, uh, you know, he's now picked up a knee sprain, uh, which is probably a result of him being hit so often because he didn't slide at any point or go out of bounds. Um, It did seem like Carl, uh, uh, Carl Shanahan had a bad game. He was one of four on fourth downs, and they weren't great fourth down plays by my, in my estimation. Agree. Love it. I had that point, exactly the same point, pretty much. There was, uh, one of them was on 4 from one they had Juszczyk go under centre and go for a QB sneak, which is a play they ran two weeks ago against the Packers, so it was obviously on film, which seemed like, I mean, fine, if you want to try it for the first time, that's going to work. Fine, okay. But to do it for the second time, they're going to be like, oh, this is the sneak, he's moving under centre. Well, in, in, unless you're hoping that they kind of second-guess themselves and go, oh, well, They've done it once and put it on tape. So if they do it again, they're obviously doing something off of it. All right, but if they wanted to run like a toss to Lance, then fine. That would have been something different. To do, you know, that would have that would have been something that the Cardinals had seen. But they didn't yeah. do that. They just ran the same sneak, which was a bad play in my opinion. Um, you know, the game could have been close. I mean, you know, Lance was 
what six inches away from scoring a touchdown and, um, and that again that so that's another fourth down he has yeah. to either extend the ball or go high there yeah he can't like and again it goes back to what i was saying about lawrence that's him being used to being the biggest quickest whatever guy on the field yeah. he either has to go high because and cam newton was amazing at that knowing whether to go try and go through people or go over people and understand that you have the advantage because the ball only has to touch you know or, or go over one grain of that end zone for you to to, to score the touchdown and yeah that, so that was fourth and one at the goal line that was a brutal play for for Trey Lance in general in my mind yeah so there's, there's things to learn from that I think the I mean, it's a very early bite, but I think it's come at the right time for the 49ers in terms of trying to recover some of the people they've lost through injury. Um, I wouldn't be sh- you know, I, th- I think the expectation of what Carl uh, Sheridan said is that the team will return to Jimmy Garoppolo as a starting QB after the bye. Um, I'm not too disappointed in that, even though I would like to see more snaps for Trey Lance in general. Um, but yeah, it's kind of been a pretty rocky start for the 49ers. One thing to note was Kyler Murray in the game was clutching at his shoulder quite a bit. It seemed like he had picked up a knock, uh, and we'll see how that affects him for the rest of the season, uh, particularly in the next couple of weeks. Um, did I have one more note on this? I'm sure I did. Oh, uh, this is a very minor thing. Well, I say minor thing, and I appreciate it happens to teams, every offensive uh, defensive lineman, but there are a couple holds in there which... One of them was in the end zone, right? You saw it, didn't you, Tom? Oh, man. And the one that didn't get called a safety? Yeah, well, there was the one which Kyler threw out of, uh, which was a hold clearly in the end zone where uh, Eric Armstead has him. And then the play afterwards, it was called for a hold on the one-yard line. <laughs> and it's just like, it feels, I don't know if I'm right on this, but it feels like uh, the refs have decided to let offensive linemen get away with a little bit more this year than they have done in previous years. I, so I, I don't agree with that last bit but I think what they need to do is make holding a five yard penalty sure and like as much as we don't want to see it called every play I, I think I think it would then get called more if you know I, what I mean people sure. are people are stepping into the fact that they the refs don't want to call it every play so they'll hold on every play yeah there is like between the five f- between the five of them there is generally a hold on every single play it just doesn't get called because we don't want to interrupt game flow and stuff that's, like that that's that's been well, a madden commentary line for about the last decade isn't it it's yeah. like yeah it's all double it's like double jeopardy at the moment it's like ah you called the last one so you can't call me on it yeah. again it's like well, you should be able to. Like, that's bollocks. But do you think then that defensive linemen need to try and sell it a bit more? You know, complain to the refs well, saying no. what shit. Because that, that's the other that, result no. of this, right? The problem is they, they then go down and flap their hands about and then they're out of the play. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, and then against mobile quarterbacks that the league is abundant with, you, you lose your assignment, you lose, like, gap integrity or you lose the rush lane. He then bursts through that and rushes for 20 yards or throws for a touchdown and then... You know, like I don't think you can put that on a player. Sure. And we get into the debate of flop arguments and stuff like exactly. that. Have you gone down soft on a hold? And it's just like no, just play to just play to do it and play to get through it and see what happens. You said you, you were trying to find out what your last note was. I also had a last note, and that's that Josh Norman is not very good at football <laughs> anymore. <laughs> we can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say we can move on <laughs> and looked at the next game and it's another game that I've got um, this is uh, well this was Sunday Night Football which was two halves of football surrounded by a deluge that confused itself with a monsoon that was all wrapped up in a tornado essentially um, I think the second half was delayed something like an hour and a half maybe maybe it was slightly less I didn't actually watch it at the time Um so I might be well off on that, but basically there was a lot of weather. Um, but the Buffalo Bills lampooned the Chiefs, at least on the face of it. They smashed them about. They won 38-20. to 20. Um, I saw the score, obviously, watched this game back, and was really surprised to see the Chiefs drove the field, took seven minutes off the clock, and kicked a uh, kicked a field goal for three points all because Mahomes missed Kelsey um, on the first drive and I was like huh like that that seemed really easy like that's you know how do you uh, like what's what's gonna flip here and it turns out that the Chiefs defense is really bad 
Yeah. We've been we've been talking around it for a few weeks, giving them the opportunity to kind of grow into what we thought they could be, but it, it just doesn't look like they're going to get there. And I don't want to sound like Stephen A. Smith too much, but I'm wondering if Kansas need to lose a few more games to get that edge and that grit back. Because Tyreek Hill will like drop a ball, and I'll come back to that later, but he'll drop a ball early on and he'll be like all smiles and he'll like tap the DB on the head and he'll be like, yeah, you know, it's cool. And it's like, right, but that that drop, just because you've got Mahomes and you're the quickest like human on earth and Kelsey's really good, like that will eventually come back to bite you. Um, the Buffalo O-line. Can I just say, yep. can I just say, Tom, on that first drive, we saw two completely different things. <laughs> I watched that first drive live and I went the Chiefs are getting by from here thanks to penalties and penalties I think kept the drive alive at least twice you know shortened the field uh, at least three four times and I was like okay they're getting away with it and I was also like the Bills I think just played cover two pretty much the entire game and I'm just screaming at the at my phone like just run the ball <laughs> just run the ball well, like if yeah. you run the ball here you would be fine and so and you know at least threaten it and they didn't and I think Mahomes at one point was two and eight is when I stopped watching and I was like I'm done like, I can't watch this <laughs> um, the Buffalo offensive line was just downright dominant at times and again that goes back to um, the the like talk about just the Chiefs defense not being very good but I don't want to take anything away from the touchdown throw to Sanders um, from Josh Allen which was it was like it was drawn up on Madden just the arc of it the way the ball I'm pretty sure stayed like in the shot the entire time so it wasn't just a complete moonshot it was just everything that Josh Allen does well to the max um, a good catch by Sanders but one that you would expect him to make every time um and to to say to kind of take off what you were saying about running the ball is Clyde Edwards-Alaire is just struggling. Um, he, he will look good for a quarter and then go missing for the rest of the game. I don't want to call him a bust again. It, it feels too early for that, but there are needs on this team that are greater than a running back, especially as we've seen other kind of, I don't want to call them no-name running backs, but guys of a lot less quality than a first-round pick do well in this offense. Um, the the, the hill point drops. Out, Edward Tiller is now going to be out for several yeah, weeks. He's been going on yeah, thank you. Um, the hill drops that I mentioned, when the Chiefs are down 11 points in the third quarter, they run just a simple kind of crosses route, throw it to Hill, it goes through his hands, and that ends up a pick six. It's then an 18-point ball game, and you're like, this is it, right? Chiefs get the ball back, obviously, from the kickoff. They drive the field, and then they're in the red zone, and Mahomes is picked again from one of those quick into-the-flat throws that rookie Rousseau gets his hands up, deflects up in the air, bats it up, and then he manages to catch it on the way back down. It was that sort of night where, as much as you, like, you may think they started rusty and that they were... Like they had so many chances to win this game that if they played again th- this Sunday, I would still probably put money to win on the Chiefs. Um, they had a bunch of opportunities to get back into this. When I take, you know, it's an eighteen-point game, and the amount of drives that ended in strange turnovers, the Chiefs fumbled a kickoff as well. You know, you can't bank on all of those mistakes against the Chiefs happening every single time. And there were parts of this game in the second half, like not so much down the stretch in the fourth quarter, but the third quarter and early in the fourth, Josh Allen and the Bills just could not move the ball. They really, really struggled. And if they didn't have all of those opportunities to steal possessions off the Chiefs, you've got to wonder whether this one could have easily flip-flopped in the score. It totally could have been 40-24 to 24 the other way. Yeah, I think it's fair. But I would have the Bills... As I mean, they are the number one team in the AFC by record. I think you'd have them number one in any power rankings at this point. And I honestly think you look forward to their schedule now. If if I don't know what happened in week one, really, like that still feels like a, a blur. And I'm sure it's the same for you as a Steelers fan, which you'll get to. But like, if that Steelers, if that Steelers is a win, then they could have been running undefeated into the Bucks at in the middle of December. Yeah, you know, but like, but that the thing is is that they did lose that game. And week one's a fluky. You can't really go much off of it, right? But the Steelers did enough to win that game. And and 
I, as I said, I really, I think 38-20 flatters them so much in this game. And then the other three teams they've played have uh, a powder puff, right? Yeah, I mean, but they have put up minimum of 35 points in every game since. And I mean, I, I mean, the Chiefs' defense is nothing, but they don't really face a team. So maybe they really don't face a team with uh, until the Bucks and Panthers in the in the middle of December. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would struggle to tell you who my number one team in the NFL is, but I don't think it's the Bills. I don't think they're the best team in the league. Fair the, enough. Just a, a quick note on how this game ended, or, or essentially ended, um, was that the Chiefs were in the Bills' half, still trying to make a go of it. Um, Mahomes like drops a snap essentially goes to recover it an offensive lineman is bulldozed all the way back into his lap boots the ball about 15 yards backwards another offensive lineman has managed to turn around and be the first one to the ball but totally misses diving on it the bills then recover it and it's like yep that's pretty much how that game went for the chiefs yeah column anything to add on chiefs bills no can i suggest that we try and power through some of these next ones Yes, uh, don't worry, I've already got that. Uh, the Ravens beat the Colts 31-25 in overtime on Monday Night Football. And this is a game that when I watched it, I'm still not 100% sure how the Ravens managed to, to pull it back. Uh, for reference, they were down 10-3 at the half and they were getting look legitimately like they were going to get nothing going all game. And then suddenly in the second half, Lamar Jackson transformed into an actual animal and this offense just mowed down the Colts. Uh, Lamar actually finished with 442 yards passing and four touchdowns passing as well on top of uh, 62 yards rushing. The 100-yard rushing streak is over for the Ravens. So, you know, I'm sure Vic Vangio is really happy about, uh, even happier about the, the game last week. Uh, yeah, I, I looked back on it and it really just seemed the Ravens just decided, uh, well, the Colts just seemed to leave the middle of the field open and the Ravens just took it for every single thing it was worth. And Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown just kept, you know, going over the middle of the field and cool it will take 15 yards off of a you know off a five yard catch like it was just you know yard after catch yard after catch the Colts were fine otherwise on offense it really is the Jonathan Taylor robust show and occasionally you know you get a guest appearance by Michael Pittman or Mo Ali Cox like once you know maybe once a drive but it is Jonathan Taylor robust and he had a beautiful 76 yard rush uh, reception touchdown in this game uh, I'm not sure how legit the Baltimore Ravens are at four and one, but I think the Colts are definitely benching Carson Wentz sometime around week thirteen to protect that first round pick. They are down to one and four, and uh, yeah, that's about when you need to do it just to make sure that you still got a first rounder. Should be worth noting that Lamar Jackson is currently fifth in total passing yards and eighth in total rushing yards uh, this season. Yeah, he he looked amazing in the, in, in the second half of this game. The first half, I don't know what the Ravens were doing, but it just was not working or giving us an EM result. Column, you've got Browns Chargers? Yeah. Um, this was more or less just a college football game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lo- load of ground and pound and busted coverages that just led to huge touchdowns going either way. Um, both teams looked pretty good. Obviously, I think Justin Herbert looked like the better of the two QBs out of him and uh, Bacon Mayfield who had a fine day. Um, but the Browns were clearly interested in just trying to run the ball as hard as they could down the throat. And it didn't seem like the Chargers had that much interest in stopping Nick Chubb. Um, whereas the Chargers was just going to throw it up and uh, the Browns secondary really could not be that bothered to cover them. Um, a very dubious uh touchdown, uh, well, sorry, ex- extension of a, a drive um, on a, a long pass to Mike Williams as a very suspect uh, offensive, oh, defensive pass interference call, kind of extended that drive. But in the second half, the Chargers who were down at the time just decided to forgo any punting and just throw for every fourth down. And it largely worked for them. Um, the only note I have about this game was uh, it happens about once a season uh, where there's a a point in the game where a defense actively tries to will an offense to score happened in this <laughs> one with about a minute and a half left where the defense pushed uh, Austin Eckler into the end zone to score to stop them setting up a, very, a chip shot field goal and I don't know how you correct that in football but there's obviously a purpose to an offense and a purpose to a defense and if a defense is actively trying to 
uh, get the opponents to score rather than stop them scoring. It feels like football's a little broken at that point. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't know how you change that, but that's something I want to see changed. I think, in I, think some way. Be, I mean, like number twenty-four on the list of like backwards things that needs to be fixed about the NFL. To be honest, but it's something that it was something I was thinking about two weeks ago, and then it happened this week. So <laughs> I'm cool, bringing it up. The main thing is have the defense not be down, uh, not have already conceded forty-one points. And the opposition have conceded 42 points it's <laughs> at not... that point. It's like, just, yeah, we'll move out of the way. But no, it, it's a problem I have of, you exist for a reason. Your, your reason is <laughs> Thank you. to stop the other team scoring. <laughs> not <laughs> to push the offense into the end zone. Just just to describe this game in, in one small stat, there were 41 points scored in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, going to clip column saying you exist for a reason and I'm going to use that like when we're talking about defences or something. Oh, I thought you were going to say whenever you, you just feel down about yourself. <laughs> that too. You Tom, exist for a reason. <laughs> Tom, you want to uh, talk about MVP candidates and also the Miami Dolphins? Now's the chance. <laughs> um, I really don't want to talk about the Dolphins. Um, they, <laughs> they lost 45-17 to 17 to the Bucks. Who... Yes, they deserve to win this game, but the scoreline flatters them massively. Um, Miami, despite spending big recently, might not be that far away from a retooling. They're not a rebuild candidate just yet, um, but the offensive side of the ball especially is just a complete mess. And I appreciate they're using Jacoby Brissett instead of Tua Tangovailoa, but from everything we have seen from Tua, which admittedly isn't that much... I can't see him being the long-term future of that franchise. They need a spine. They need a pass rush. Like They need a bunch of things that at the moment they're just not really getting. Um, however, from this game, there are reasons and signs to worry about the Bucks' long-term future this season. Um, their defence is just flat out not as good as it was last year which is remarkable when you consider they brought back everyone and like all of the equipment guys and all of the defenders that they brought back had to hire the same garden staff like they made sure that everybody came back that was there last year and yet they cannot defend the pass really at all um, fortunately, Jacoby Brissett really can't pass the ball. Um, again, we're going to bring it. He passed the ball 39 times, and that's not a way to win the game. Uh, the Dolphins did the thing against the Bucks where they just refused to run the ball. Um, they're running it nine times in total once with Preston Williams, once with Jalen Waddle, and then seven times with, I'm going to say, actual running backs. But Miles Gaskin is sort of pretending to be an NFL football player at this point. Um, it might be time for me to admit defeat on the Ronald Jones versus Leonard Fournette thing because the last two weeks Fournette has looked I'm going to say very good which is about 10 levels better than what I considered him to be prior to the last two weeks um, he <laughs> Tom, caught, yeah. can you say for me that the future of offensive football is a smash draft <laughs> system <laughs> no because what made Leonard Fournette so good in this game is he caught four balls so a quarter of his touches were actually receptions which I would imagine if you look back on Fournette's career probably hasn't happened that many times and if he can begin to establish that side of his game he will be the three down running back for this team um, Giovanni Bernard got a receiving touchdown which made me realise Giovanni Bernard still exists um, but yeah Blaine Gabbert came into this one in the fourth quarter which is about all you need to know Give me the give me the Bears and the Saints uh, in the next. Oh, they got the Eagles next. But the Bears and the Saints games for the Bucks. Give me a team that is just going to run it on them and not back down. Because the last few weeks it's just been cool. We're not going to run. We're not going to run on you. Like we're never never going to run the ball. And yeah, I think the 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 Bears and the Saints are going to call their bluff on that. Yeah, well, yeah, um, I, think, I think the Saints. You could see Kamara get like twenty five touches, couldn't you? Yeah, and give me a Winston revenge game against that secondary. Come on, like, that's going to be something special. <laughs> uh, right. Just a quick Speeding question for through. you both. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. Out of Kyler, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert and Tom Brady, who do you like as MVP candidate at the moment? Dak well, Prescott. We, not, we normally do this after like eight or nine weeks, don't we? Uh, I'm calling we it do, now. But we do, but it happens a lot. Dak Prescott, they're calling. Ian Dak. Um, is, is this who I think will win it or who, who I think should win it? Who, who you want to win it? Uh, well, if, 
That doesn't. Who I want? Hot take, come, Tom. Hot take. Come what on. I, I, I want either Kylo or Lamar to win it because they are the most exciting quarterbacks when they play that level of football. Okay, cool. There so, we go. So we'll I'll, take... I'll say Kylo because he doesn't play in the AFC North. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> right, Colin, let's speak through some factory of sadness <laughs> games. Oh, yes, also a good point. You do have an opinion as well, sorry. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm primarily choosing the uh, defensive end. Uh, the Jets Falcons <laughs> travelled to London this week. Uh, it was a boring ass game to watch. I feel like we have somehow wronged the NFL every time they send us their games. Um, and it was, yeah, it's just boring to watch. Uh, Matt Ryan seemed like a serviceable quarterback, which tells you a lot about how the, the Jets played this week. They had no Calvin Ridley, but, you know, Carl Pitts finally turned up and started performing for the Falcons. And the Jets just looked kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. The, the Jets' one defensive plan was stop Cordero Patterson. And then they realized that, oh shit, Carl Pitts and everyone else exists. Yeah. And they could do nothing. Tajay Sharp had another four receptions to continue haunting Tom. Um, <laughs> it doesn't and haunt me. I'm just shocked. Same, same <laughs> thing. Can't be the best wide receiver that you've got. Like, how, many, like, how many catches did KJ Wright have? <laughs> no, Kendall Wright. That's who it was. Same, uh, same thing about Justin Fields. I think you said about Zach Wilson as well, Tom. Things are moving a little too fast for him right now. Um, but I think he's displayed that he can get there. I think he'll get there sooner. To, um, to, to kind of amalgamate what you said about the Giants game and a Tomlin phrase, Tomlin and talking about um, rookies will say they need to get on the train. Well, Zach Wilson needs to set an alarm to get a bus to the train station to get on the train. <laughs> like, Jesus, man. Yeah. All right, Tom, with that said, more more factory of sadness. You had the Lions losing a heartbreaker uh, for the fifth week in a row, it seems, to the Vikings. Yeah, this this team are going to not tank their way to 0-17, aren't they? <laughs> it's remarkable. <laughs> I've never seen a team try so hard to win and yet fail at it every single time. Um, yeah, the, the same things that we say about the Detroit Lions every time. Like they, They've got heart, they've got fight. Jared Goff is a quarterback that plays for them. Um, but what I did kind of note is that they are like a little cereal in that you know what they're trying to be but when you put it in your mouth and crunch it three or four times you're like that's not quite the right thing Um, I've got Justin Jefferson plus 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 and DeAndre Swift plus because they are the best things to watch about these two teams and it really isn't particularly close Um, the Eric Kendricks um, interception that I put a screenshot of of on our Twitter was absolutely ridiculous um, I just don't think Jared Goff sees him but it is a full stretch one handed um, the point of the ball goes into the palm of his hand and it just stays there it's like it's not like he gets two hands to it or he bats it up or, or it's like he manages to bounce it and then clutches it into his chest it is a one handed grab in every sense of the world which for a middle linebacker is pretty impressive Um a few things on the lines to take as a positive is it's not every snap, but they can rush the passer. Charles Harris has a sack in four straight games, and Alexander Madison is just not good at football. Um, I, I really don't rate him. He had 113 yards off 25 carries, but he had the Leonard Fournette day of nothing, 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 48-yard carry. Um, well, that's good because you just complimented him for that. So you're saying Madison can play football. So he just needs six or seven more years to mature into his game. Yeah, he yeah. just, he needs, just the... needs. I said, I said that a quarter of Leonard Fournette's touches were reception, so he just needs what's that like six and a half catches as well, and he'll be all right. He had seven actually. And then the final night I had was I'm not sure I deserve to watch this. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... Talking of games that probably didn't get deserved to oh, watch. Oh, and, and of course, sorry, r- rookie kicker Greg Joseph hit a walk-off field goal after the Vikings pretty much drove the field in about 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> Just they, had a, they had a 99%, that was the thing I saw, Vikings had a 99.9% chance to win, then fumbled it, then the Lions came back to get in the lead, only for it to immediately go back down into a loss. Like, it was... Who, who, fumbled, who fumbled it again? 
that was Alexander Madison. It was Alexander Madison. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to insist that we get a sound clip of uh, Alexander Madison to the tune of Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, no, I've wanted that for a while. Uh, <laughs> we'll make that happen. Right, three games that I'll cover in a, probably about a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, we'll start with Broncos Steelers. Uh, this was 27 19 to the Steelers. Relatively one sided, that was allowed to look a lot closer than it actually was. On the day, Roethlisberger was a better Teddy Bridgewater than Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> On Nashi Harris, looks like everything you remember Lev Bell being. Um, it was 24 6 going into the fourth. Denver suddenly turned it on uh, and with two touchdowns on back-to-back, forcing a three-and-out in there in the middle. Um, the Steelers added a field goal just uh, just to you know give a little bit of an insurance score in the late in the fourth. But then the Broncos, uh, sorry, then the Steelers' defense bent as far as they could without <laughs> actually breaking. Uh, and it was ultimately an interception on fourth and goal for the Broncos that sealed it. The Broncos are 0-2 since starting the season properly. The Steelers move to 2-3. and They face the Seahawks, two former Goliaths of their respective conferences, now in a battle to reach 500. Tom, anything to add? Uh, no, just a typical Sunday being a Steelers fan, mate. Can I, can I add one <laughs> comment about Steelers' offense? Yes. Uh, they are now too old and too slow. To <laughs> <laughs> a Warren Sapp callback from, like, 2013. <laughs> Oh, also, Juju Smith-Schuster's out for the season. Injury news. Um, cool. Saints football team. Last week, I described Colts Dolphins as two teams going nowhere. Well, here are two more teams that are capped at a wildcard knockout uh, at best. Somehow, 55 points were scored in a game where at one point across 11 drives, only two of them resulted in points. Uh, both QPs completed 50% and 49% of their passes, respectively, in this game, just to show you the quality of a cute quarterback that was on display. The Saints out big played the football team. Deontay Harris, 72-yard touchdown. Marcus Callaway, 49-yard touchdown. Kamara, 23-yard rushing and a 19-yard receiving touchdown. Uh, Saints won 33-22. Tyler Henneke, sorry, Taylor Henneke said a couple weeks ago that he thought he had done enough to win the starting job. But no, no, he has not. Um, uh, can I say that the peak football team was when they decided not to jump up for a Hail Mary. <laughs> they stumbled over each other it's it, it's a whole th- that was a whole thing just uh, get that game out of my mind um, and then there was the Eagles Panthers and there will be no coffee served for the Carolina Panthers as they fell to the Eagles 21-18 uh, this was a game where again another QB performances to forget Hurts was 22 for 37 and 198 yards and an interception. Darnold, 21 for 37, 177 yards. A touchdown and three interceptions. Carolina were up 15-6 going into half, but were dire in the second half. Drives ended in three punts. There was two interceptions, a field goal, and a blocked punt. Even a fairly shoddy performance from Hertz wasn't enough to waste the opportunities being given. He scrambled in for two touchdowns, which ultimately put it away for the Eagles. The Panthers will now be thirsting for a run of games that include the Vikings, Falcons, Giants, and Patriots uh, to get back into winning ways. But yeah, Jalen Hurts was... is now accounting for a league-leading 87% of his team's offensive production. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, the Eagles need to run the ball more. The, the yeah, stat about Lamar Jackson from last night was like he accounted for 502 of the Ravens' 586 yards or something ridiculous. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so three games I wish I hadn't watched um, to go on top of the other three games I wish I hadn't watched. Um, <laughs> it was Colin. a bad week for that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Colm, interrupt my spiel with the Ram Seahawks. Well, there's only one thing to really note from this, which is uh, Mr. Unlimited it will be uh, probably on IR for the next four weeks. Uh, he has what is known as Mallet Finger. It's not named after Ryan Mallet, but um, allows you to throw about as well as Ryan Mallet does. Um, <laughs> got jarred on a helmet. He tried to come back into the game and played uh, a couple snaps, but clearly uh, was unable to throw. Uh, this is now Geno Smith's team for the next several weeks. Uh, he formerly of the New York Jets. Uh, and the Rams came out of this one 26-17 winners. They were ahead for, I think, from pretty much the start of the game. And never really looked to give it up once they you know, had secured points. Uh, 
the only other thing to note from this was Matt Stafford threw one of the ugliest picks I've ever seen in the end zone. Um, I think yeah. he was trying to throw it away, but ended up throwing an absolute dime to um, <laughs> Andre Diggs instead. Um, yeah, uh, an, an errant performance from an otherwise fine performance from uh, Matt Stafford, I think. Geno Smith actually looked half decent though, right? How have That's you not mentioned the pun? Oh, of course. The, the, great, the greatest player in NFL history, the double punt, which was legal. <laughs> Um, despite no one realising it was legal um, yeah uh, what was his name, Dixon uh, went to punt, got blocked, picked it up one handed like a motherfucker and then ran part of the way <laughs> and went fuck this, I ain't gonna get tackled and punted it further down the field <laughs> um, and no one knew quite what happened but it turns out to be legal so there you go, I saw a comment on Twitter, someone said uh, it seemed like, uh, Matt Dixon punted that away and then smart, you had a Rueful smile, like he, the sort of person that teaches punting theory at a community college. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a glorious play to watch. You can always punt the ball even if it's blocked. It's good to know. Um, cool. We have uh, my last game was Packers Bengals. Uh, to go off the punter thing, uh, for better or worse, it's a kicker league, and we just live in it. The combined six kicks were missed in a game uh, which featured uh, five potential game-winning kicks back-to-back in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Uh, There was even a premature celebration from Bengals kicker Evan McPherson as he believed that when his uh, kick hit the flag that it counted, I believe, was the only reason he was celebrating. Uh, eventually, Mason Crosby nailed a field goal on his fourth try, a 49-yarder to end it in overtime. Um, besides the kicker narrative, what a week if you own Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams in fantasy. Uh, <laughs> Adams with 11 catches, a 206 and a touchdown. Chase, 6 for 159 and a touchdown. That His touchdown was a 70-yard touchdown where he lost Eric Stokes, uh, the cornerback for the Packers. It, that left him in single coverage versus a safety and then Chase just decides, cool, I've run my route. I'm now going to go all the way back across the field uh, to to catch this ball and make some space for, for Burrow. And he does. And I think on the 70 yards, I worked it out, he ran about 114 yards or something like that, including you know coming back across the field. Um, <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. Um, we've spoken about how the Lions managed to drag their opponents in the slugfest, but the Bengals have been involved in four one-score games out of five so far. So the Lions versus Bengals is going to be appointment viewing for this weekend. <laughs> I can tell you that now. That game is going to be something dumpster fire special, and I can't wait. The, the Bengals um, are going to go to the playoffs, guys. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, I will say the Packers defense, they're still suspect, but they are doing enough to not just leave it down to Rodgers, although it still largely is. Um, yeah, they're, they're not doing enough, you know, to, well, they're doing enough, sorry. So I think week eight is the game versus the Cardinals where I really want to see, and I think that'll tell us everything we need to know about the Packers and where they stand as serious contenders, you know, going into the offseason, which we expect them to be at at this point. But yeah, the Bengals are going to the playoffs, it seems. And they're uh, four and one. So, don't ask me how. Uh, <laughs> Colin, final game of the week. I have a comment about this, but I'll let you go first. The Patriots versus the Texans. Yeah, uh, Bill Belichick nearly got clowned by a guy called Davis Mills, who is, <laughs> uh, who has, uh, uh, what was his name again? Um, yeah, was it Mike? Chris yeah. Moore? No, he has Mike Glennon neck, but, like, extra. (laughs) He put up 21 completions on 29 attempts for 312 yards and three touchdowns. But this was a game dominated by just god-awful special teams. There were a total of four missed kicks, including three extra point attempts missed, and a punt that went for a total of zero yards. Um, For some reason, the Texans tried to get cute on a, uh, a punt, and then ended up just putting a pass a pump protector in the way of a pump, which is not where you want to put a pump protector. You want to put him to the side of the pump so that the pump doesn't hit him. Uh, and in this case, it hit him. Uh, went for zero yards. Very much turned the game on that. Uh, Matt Jones didn't look great, uh, but the you know the Patriots can weigh with a 25-22 win. Jacoby Myers. Still searching for a reception touchdown. He got to one yard. He got to one yard. <laughs> I know. This is brutal. 
he added another four receptions for not having a touchdown to continue his record. What were the Patriots defensive backs doing in this game? Did they just look at Davis Mills from last week and go, we can pick off literally every pass he throws? Because yeah. they were they were attempting to pull <laughs> Hawk like I have never seen. And failing, like at least three of the plays that the, that the Texans took down to, I don't think they ran in any of them, but I think they all ended up like within the five-yard line. At least three of them were literally because the defenders just broke on the ball and took just one of the worst angles I've ever seen. It was... <laughs> It was unreal. It was the least Belichick like defensive performance I think I've ever seen. You said that, but Matt Judon was like a force. He was like the one guy I was like, no, I'm going to play the Texans like they're a legit team. And he was just like, <laughs> he just seemed to be in the backfield and doing absolutely anything he needed to do, you know, on the day. So, yeah, yeah, I, well, I, I need not praise Matt Judon on this podcast anymore. <laughs> I might have to label it the Matt Judon show or something. <laughs> Oh boy! Right, I think that wraps us up. We'll do the we'll do a game draft off off uh, off audio just to help me in the edit. Um, We're into bye weeks, else? aren't we? So we are. Less games first, to watch to struggle yeah, through this the week. First bye weeks are Atlanta, the Jets, the Saints, and the Forty ers So no big misses, really. Um, so Colin, <laughs> you get to watch Seattle versus Steelers this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's Gino Smith versus Dwayne Haskins. I can't wait. <laughs> How I dare you besmirch the name of Mason Rudolph? <laughs> Whoever gets left with the Rams Giants as well, that's going to be a game that you can watch in twelve minutes. <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the And the Kick Is Good podcast. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Tom. <laughs> Love you.